0: Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1, Genesis 12 and 1. Uh, For the past three Sundays, we've been talking about the promises of God and how God has promises for His people and then God has promises for each person. Everybody say that with me. God has promises for His people and then God has promises for each person. God has given every single person a personal promise. He he spoke this over you even before you were born. You can read this in Jeremiah. Before you were in your mama's belly, God began to speak things over you. God has a purpose for your life. Now listen, if you're waiting for me to start preaching until after I read the text, don't, because I'm already in amongst it right now, okay? God has a purpose for your life. That's why he creates you. For that purpose, he said, Here's a purpose that I need to see accomplished. And so, to do that, I'm going to create this person to fulfill that purpose. That's how things work. So God has a purpose for your life. Along with that purpose, he attaches a plan. For those of you that need a plan, God has a plan. And for some of us, we just like the purpose thing. Oh, I've got a purpose. Let's go there. For other people, I want to see the plan. I need dot by dot. I need to know that this thing is worked out. All the purpose people, raise your hand. Got a dream. Got a hope. Got a future. Yeah. All the plan people, raise your hand. I need to know what's going on, all right? God has both. God has both. Now, because we are stubborn and ignorant, as we would say in Mississippi, because we think we know what we're supposed to do to get us following his plan and headed toward his purpose, he gives us a promise. You know what I'm talking about? If you will do your homework, I will. See? How many parents use that one? I got a purpose. I got a plan. doesn't work. You need a promise to get those kids to obey, all right? A promise. So God speaks a promise over our life to help us follow his plan so that we can fulfill our purpose. So the promises over your life. I encourage each person to remember the promises that have been spoken over you. Not just remember them, but recite them. Write them out. Print them out. Pray them over your life. Remember them. And so a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about the promises over each of our lives. And I said, how many of you know your promise? And it was was tough as a pastor to see how many hands didn't go up. And I realized we got some work to do. And so we just scrapped where we were going, and we're spending the next several weeks talking about the seven P's to finding and fulfilling your promise, the promise that God has over you. Last Sunday, we talked about the first P, passion. Passion. How do I know what my promise is? What are you passionate about? Remember the statement we said, don't ignore what you like. If you like something, if something makes you have chills or makes you cry or makes you laugh or, as I like to say, makes your belly button buzz, you kind of get that thing. When you're around that type of deal, don't ignore that. God, more than likely, put that passion on you because there is a purpose and a promise connected to that. So don't ignore what you like. Sometimes religious folks are like, boy, if you like it, that ain't what God's called you to do. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. Secondly, how do I know what my promise is? It's tied to your personality. God's not going to ask you to do something that you don't have the talent to do. Nashville is full of people that think they can sing, that probably should not be singing. Can I get an amen? Amen. And don't nudge anybody that you're sitting beside right now. (laughs) I want to be a, I want to be a, well, I want to get into that. We could just offend all kind of people, so I'll just stay right there. Does it suit you? Does it suit your strengths? What are you good at? Your promise will always be comprised of two things. A possibility, what you can do, but then an impossibility, what only God can do. So write that down if you were not here last week or you just weren't taking notes last week. Write that down. The promise over your life will be tied to your personality And God's going to ask you to do something that you're good at, but He's also going to ask you to do something that you don't really know how you're going to do it. I say it all the time. I am not a church planter. I shouldn't be planting a church. I am a pastor. I know God has called Kristen and I to pastor. I don't feel like I'm a great church planter. And so God calls us to do something that we can do and then something that we're not real good at. How many have found that to be true in your life? So if you're looking for the promise over your life, now, if you're looking for a good career, do what you're good at. But if you're looking for the promise of God over your life, do what you're good at and find another place that you're not the best at and watch God begin to work those things out. That's when you know it's the promise over your life. Today, I want to talk about the third P, place. Write it down. Place. How do I find the promise in my life? And how do I fulfill the promise? Because some of you know what your promise is. You just don't know how to fill it. So passion, personality. Today, we're going to talk about place. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. Everybody still with me? Let's see what else I can brag on today. Oh, Lindsay. Yes, I'll brag on Lindsay. Lindsay, Red Earth Trading Company. How many love Red Earth Trading Company? Incredible. Red Earth Trading Company, who Lindsay practically runs, just had a special deal with Madewell Company, who just opened up here in Nashville. Ladies, if y'all haven't been to Madewell, go to Madewell, okay? They have a very special Red Earth Trading Company section just sitting right there. Lindsay, that is awesome. You guys have just killed it. That is incredible. You know what, maybe I'll just spend the Sunday bragging on people. How, how many need to be bragged on? Raise your hand, shoot me a text, and I'll just brag on you. I'd go to a church. Has that shadow been driving anybody else crazy besides me? Was it you? Okay, good. You and I need to talk after church. I'm going to make you a stagehand. <laughs> Play. Everybody say place. you got to know your place. How many have heard that one? You need to know your place. Looking for the reason. Roaming through the night to find my. Everybody's looking for a a place. And you know what? Place is important to God. Write this down. Place is so important to God that he starts with a place even before the people. So place is very important to God. He starts with a place, and then he creates the people to fulfill that place. God created the earth, and then he created who? Man. God created Eden, and then he created man to be there. And so when we're when we're talking to folks that are looking for what they feel like they're called to do or we're talking to you know Evan is in his junior year now and he's getting ready to start looking at colleges and visiting colleges which just scares me to death. I don't even like talking about that. We continually talk to Evan about what is that place? The place. What is that thing that you you know this is man this is where I would fit to find That place. Even when you study it, we were doing some study this week. Uh, Davis has been doing some uh, study in his Bible class about creation, learning what happened on what days. And it was intriguing to notice that God created light and separated the light from the darkness, and then two days later creates the sun and the moon, which is a sermon all in itself. He creates the sun and the moon to govern the light and the dark. And then God creates the sky, and he creates the earth, and then he creates the birds, he creates the creatures, and he creates humanity to govern the sky and the earth. So God always starts with a place, and then he creates the people that are supposed to govern that place. So where God has called you to will be directly ati- tied into your promise. So I want you to understand that. What draws you? What is that? Something we always say around here is God made Adam from the dust of the earth. God always mixes you up from the dirt of your destiny. Always. He will create you from where he wants you to go. Y'all, I ain't a good preacher, but that's good preaching right there. That was a good word. That explains why some of you feel pulled to certain things, or you, you feel pulled to certain places. Some of you just, you know that's where you're supposed to go, or that's the thing you're supposed to go into. That's your de- the dirt of your destiny that's pulling you into that. God always starts with a place, and then he creates the people to go there. Creation, Eden, even heaven, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm working on the place, and then you're going to come join me. God always starts with a place. Everybody say, the place is vitally important. So, first of all, there will be a place where the promise happens. There will be a place where you get your promise. Now, don't don't jump over this, because a lot of times when I say the place people already start thinking about the promised land. But even more importantly than the promised land, you need to have a place where you heard the promise in the first place. Three years. That's the people that have heard the promise at some place right there. You have to have a place that you can go back to and say that was the place That I heard him tell me what I'm going to do. And you look through time. All through time. You will see this thing happen. Where there is a place that Jacob can take you back to. And say that is when I saw a ladder come down. And God began to speak over me. You You can go back to... David, he can say, that was where I was standing when the oil was poured over my head and the Spirit of the Lord came upon me from that day forward. Did you hear that? David was chosen, but it was after that place of promise that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Well, I've been praying here lately that the Spirit of the Lord would come upon us like never before. I mean that it would just come over us and we could not help ourselves. You look at the story of Saul, where Saul suddenly has an outpouring of God that rests upon him. And the scripture says that he became another man. They began to look for him, to anoint him to be king. And he was hidden over among the stuff because he was shy and bashful and fearful. I got anybody that battles with that, just nod your head. Shy, bashful, fearful. But the scripture says the spirit of the Lord came upon him, listen, and he became another man. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to become another man. I'm tired of doing stuff my way and the way I've done it. Well, I wish those of you that have been hungering after the things of the Spirit right now would just help me so I don't feel like I'm all by myself right here. I get your emails. I hear you want the Holy Spirit to show up. Then I start talking about you're like. Help me, please. Those of you that are hungering for a move of the Holy Spirit. Now, if some of you have wondered what we are, we are a spirit-filled, spirit-led church. So if you wondered about that, don't wonder that anymore, okay? We're not crazy, we're not wacky, and First Wednesday worship will not include snakes, okay? I'm telling you that right now. (laughs) However, we believe in a move of the Spirit. If we don't have that, we're not going to do what God has called us to do. Because we're not good enough. We're not talented enough. We're not strong enough. I'm going to tell you right now, during that worship this morning, I wanted to run through a wall. Just run. Yeah. Here's the light shining in the darkness. Was, woo! Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. got to have a place that you can go back to that you know, that was the day that I heard my promise. And if you don't have that, I want to encourage you to pray for that. I would have a feeling that most of you have probably had it, you just didn't recognize it. You didn't know that the promise was being spoken. But I will say this, you also need to have something happen to you that you have no doubt about it that it happened. One of mine and Jared Meg's favorite statements. You need to have something happen to you that you cannot explain, but you cannot deny. What happened? I don't know. But it happened. That's the movement of the Holy Spirit, where something takes place in you, and you don't know how you said it, you don't know how you did it, you don't know how you heard it, but you know you did it, said it, heard it. You got to have those moments. Well, I don't know about that. Wait, let me ask you something. If Jesus had to have a moment where the heavens were ripped open, and His daddy said, "Oh, I got a little gravel in my voice just then," the heavens were ripped open. You can tell I was with the McCrary sisters last night. The heavens were ripped open, and he hears his father say, You are my beloved son. I am well pleased with you all. This is Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah. And he had to have a moment where his daddy told him who he was. Why? Because immediately following that moment, he is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And the first question that Satan says to him is, If you are the Son of God. And he could say, I am. How do you know? My daddy said so. So shut up. Get behind me. I want to encourage you to go after that moment. If you haven't had that moment where heavens were ripped open. And the Holy Spirit fell upon you. And you felt something, did something, experienced something. I want to encourage you to go after that. How many have had that moment before with you know you can go back to that? Because you're going to need that to go back to. Now, if, again, if you're just going to have a nice career and a nice marriage and have you know two and a half kids, I don't know what the stats are, but... You're just going to have that and just then that's fine. But if you're going to step into abundant life and you're going to move into the promises that God has over you, I'm going to tell you right now, there are going to be some times that you're going to enter into warfare and you're going to have pushback and you're going to need to be able to go back to a place and say, no, 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 I've been called to greater than this. How do you know that? Because I can go back to that place where my daddy said that to me. One of my favorite passages in the Bible, one of the first sermons I ever preached was 1 Samuel 17, 48, where it says, When David got near to the Goliath, that he ran toward the entire Philistine army. Now, let's go back. Did you hear that? Y'all remember the story of David and Goliath yet? Some of y'all are a nervous wreck because I haven't even read Genesis 12. I can see you right now. He forgot about it. No, I forgot about it. Come on, just chill. We're going to get there. Is this even legal? Is he preaching? He hasn't read a text. Relax. I've quoted more scripture in this sermon than you. Okay, so just chill, all right? I don't think I trust him. 1 Samuel 17 48. Now, listen, as David, how many of the story of David? You know the story of Goliath, Adela, you know that story. David and Goliath. David is drawing near to Goliath. And the scripture says David began to run. Not toward Goliath, who is big enough. Some some folks say he was nine feet tall. David began to run not just toward him. He began to run toward the entire army. What? Who does that? Somebody That has had a moment that he could take you back to. When that old prophet poured oil over his head and said to him, you are going to be king. And he could look at Goliath and the entire army and say, I ain't king yet. So you're standing between me and my promise. And so that's why David writes, I can run through a troop. I can leap over a wall. I'll take on all y'all. Philistines, parasites, Hittites, Amorites. Bring all your mamas and your daddies and your brothers. I will take all of y'all. You are a cocky little snot-nosed little brat, no? I'm a kid that's got a promise. Come on, you got to have that moment. If you haven't had that moment, pray for that moment. If you have had that moment, I want to remind you about that moment. Go back to that moment. I have to go back to them on a weekly basis and remind God, God, you promised me that you were going to do this. I want to remind you of your promises. And he said, you got to remind me. I want to remind you of my promises. you got to have a place that you can go back to. But then it's not just having a place that you can go back to because with God there's always a here and a there. Always. He's always taking you from where you are to where he wants you to go. Taking us from where we are to where he wants us to go. So there is a place where the promise happens and then there is a place where the promise will happen. So there's this place that I can go back to. But then there is a place that I'm hoping for, I'm reaching for, I'm longing for. There is a reason they call it the promised land. That's where I am going. Genesis 12 and verse 1. And all you folks say, whew. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. Here comes the promise. I will bless you and make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So to get from the place where the promise happened to the place where the promise will happen, there are a few things that you and I have to do. Number one, you have to leave some place. You got to get out of your comfort zone. And you know, you knew that was coming, didn't you? Because you know every motivational speaker, every life coach, every coach, every teacher, every preacher always tells you, you got to get out of your comfort zone. And at some point, I am so tired of hearing that. You know why we have to keep hearing it? Because we love our comfort zone. Like right now, as I'm speaking, I am thinking about pajamas right now. I'm thinking about pajamas and Sunday afternoon football. That's what I'm thinking about right now. I'm just going to be honest with you, I love y'all, I'm excited about what's going to happen into the, the service, but I am longing for my comfort zone. Matter of fact, I wake up in the morning thinking about when do I get to lay down again? Can I get an amen from somebody else? like plotting it out? Okay, I can make it through today because I know three o'clock I'm going to get my little nap time that's going to come around. <laughs> That's why we have to always have to be pushed and pushed and pushed because we we have this. We want to be comfortable, but here's what God said to Abram. He said, "If you're going to go to the place I promised you, you're going to have to leave your native country. That means the customs you're comfortable with. Man, I could go for days on that. To us, religious folks that have our customs that we're comfortable with, we know how to do it. We know when to do it." God wants to make us uncomfortable. Something we say at the hills all the time. God wants us to get comfortable with being slightly uncomfortable. You know, I know we've had a successful Sunday when we have people that walk up and go, man, that was incredible. And we have other people go, I don't know about that. I'm like, yeah. We were right in the middle. Perfect. Perfect. Remember a couple of Sundays ago, I said so to all of you folks that don't know how to raise your hand, come on, try raising your hand up. And mean, we talked about that, pushing, pushing you to raise your hand in church. And then the next song, I said, we're going to have a song one day. We're going to say, nobody raise your hand. Bow your head. You know why? Because we all need to get out of our comfort zone. Because for me, it's my go-to. <laughs> what if somebody said today you're not raising your hand? This song, you're going to bow your head. And then all the other folks that don't like to raise their hand would go, oh, I love this. This is incredible. See? And I would just be so uncomfortable. I just got to raise. I'd be like raising under here, you know? You got to get out of our customs. What we're comfortable with, he says, you're going to have to leave your native land. But this is what I know. I know how to talk this way. I know how to walk this way. But it's not about you, Abram. I got to get you out of that. If you're going to fulfill the promises that I have on your life, you're going to have to leave your native country. You're going to have to leave your daddy. You're going to have to leave your relatives to go to the land that I will show you. Am I speaking to anybody right now that you're wondering why you had to leave a place? This is why. Secondly, you're going to have to leave some people. Write this down. You cannot pack certain people into the promised land. As much as you want them to, you want to be a bridge, you want to be a junction, you want to do it, they will not allow you to go there. This is why God allowed 40 years to pass and an entire generation to die off. Because God will not allow certain people to step into the promise. doesn't mean they're not going to go to heaven. doesn't mean they're not going to be saved. They just cannot go with you where you're supposed to go. That should, I should, right then, some of us should be yeah, oh, thank God. Because you've been trying to figure out what you did wrong, you know, and how to Now, you ain't got to be mean when you leave them. You don't have to be mean, like, make some big deal about, I'm leaving y'all now because y'all can't follow me in my promise. You got to do that. Do it with love. Somebody you God's dealing with you right now, that you're dealing with somebody that you know is pulling you down. Somebody right now that is attached to you, hanging on you, and you cannot figure out why you can't get into that. You have to leave certain people before you can get into your promise. And I'm going to tell you something else. There will be certain people that are going to leave you. And that's probably the toughest one. Man, that's a tough one, especially when you're like me. I just love everybody, and I think everybody loves me, and then I find out, well, they don't. They just, yeah. That's a tough one. You read, don't read it now. We don't have time, but a great story is Genesis 13 and 5. For those that have trouble dealing with rejection and dealing with people leaving you and and wanting to be proven right, read Genesis 13, 5 through 11. It's a story of Lot, where there became friction with Lot and Abram and don't read it now, y'all. Come on, now. I said, when you get home, that's just rude. Just just read out loud. You're reading it out loud. That's incredible. It's a story of Lot and Abram. They both got wealthy, and they begin to bicker. The shepherds begin to bicker, and so finally, Abram's like, "I ain't gonna do this." He said, "Look, there's two different places." That we can go. we got to split up. And he said, I'm going to let you pick. And Lot, instead of choosing honor and letting Abram pick the well-watered plains, Lot picked the well-watered plains. And Abram just released him and let him go. Well, you talk about a class act, man. Just to say, you know what? I'm going to allow you to do that because I know the promise that God has on my life. And I don't need the well-watered plains for me to fulfill the promise that God has on my life. So I'm going to release you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to love you. As a matter of fact, it was Abram that pleaded with God to spare Lot's life at Sodom and Gomorrah. You talk about class, man. Just class. I, I I don't know if I'd have done that. I'm like, I ain't telling Lot nothing. The angel's like, we're going to smite Sodom and Gomorrah. Isn't that where Lot lives? Yeah, I ain't telling him nothing. Just surprise him. Teach him to take the well-watered plains. <laughs> no, that ain't the way it needs to be. There are certain people that are going to leave you, and when that happens, it's going to allow you to fulfill the promise on your life. So you got to be willing to leave some place. you got to be willing to leave some people. you got to be willing for some folks to leave you, and then we got to be willing to lay some things down. What are we talking about? We're talking about how... To get to that place. you got to be willing to lay some things down. Now listen to this. You know the story that God speaks to Abraham and Sarah and promises them a son. So God's already promised him he's going to be a great nation. And Abraham thinks he's got that all figured out. So he tries to do it his own way. And God said, no, I've got a way I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it by giving you a son. And Sarah laughs about it. Y'all know that story? You heard it in Sunday school? She laughs about it. And the Lord said, why are you laughing at what I said? I'm not laughing. He said, oh, yes, you did laugh. I heard you laugh. You're going to have a son. This time next year, you're going to have a son. the son of promise. And so it happens. She gives birth to a son the next year. Let's jump to Genesis 22 and verse 1. And sometime later... God tested Abram's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. Here I am. Take your son, your only son. Those words sound familiar, don't they? Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Verse number 9. When they arrived at the place where God told them to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. To get to the place that God is going to call us to, we've got to be willing to lay some things down. Let me ask you something. Do we trust God enough to lay down the thing that he promised us? You talk about trust. God speaks a promise over you. you're going to be a great nation. Okay, I believe you. Leave your family, leave your leave your country. Okay, I'm going. Now, how are we going to do this thing? I don't know how we're going to, I'm going to be a nation, but I'm old. I'm going to give you a son. Okay, a son. Here's a son. Wa, wah. Beautiful son. Now, Abram. I want you to take that son, and I want you to kill him and burn him. And Abraham was obedient. Doesn't that just sound sadistic to y'all? Does it to anybody but me? It just seems cruel. It's like, what? How in the world could you even do that? And the reason that God could do it is because he knew Abraham's heart. And Abraham knew God's heart. Matter of fact, one scripture in Hebrews, you don't have to turn there, but Hebrews 11 says that the reason Abraham laid down his son is because he knew God had already promised him to be a great nation. So even if he allowed him to kill him, God would raise him up from the dead. So the faith that you and I have in the promise that God has spoken over our life will allow us to walk through anything to do anything. I don't know about you and your house, but man, what's been going on with ISIS has had us had some strong conversations around our household. When you see kids and children and parents beheaded because of what they believe, it'll make you suddenly stop and think about, man, what do I really believe? What will I stand for when you and I can barely make it through a day without getting offended over something somebody said? I love what Kristen said the other day. She said, you know the fear knots in the Bible were not about fearing what someone said about you. I'm walking in faith that I'm going to just get over what people said about me. No, it's about people getting beheaded and boiled alive and sawn in half. That's what that was talking about. So what happens, how how can I stand in the day of trouble if I can't stand in the day of just everything going all right? And so here's what I believe God is getting us ready for. And I don't mean to I'm going to turn to an old-time evangelistic preacher where we're going to get to a place that you and I are going to have to make decisions and choices that are not based upon our feelings, but they're based upon the promises of God in our life and the living, breathing Word of God that we have hidden in our heart. So how are we going to do it? you got to know what God has promised you. Willing to lay it down. Next week we're going to pick up on this. Verse 11. At that moment the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied. Here I am. Don't you lay a hand on that boy. I love that. Don't you lay a hand on that boy. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld him from me. Even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked and saw a ram caught in the horns, by its horns, in the thicket, he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named the place yahweh Yara, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The next P that we're going to talk about next week is provision. When God gives you a promise, he always gives Provision. So how do I know what God's called me to do? What is he providing for? What is he giving you? And so that's how you and I can step into these situations where we know God is asking us to lay something down. And yet we can do it because we know that anything God asks us to do, he will always provide a way for it. How many received that word this morning? You receive it, your word this morning? John, just come. Man, this is a fun day. You feel that freedom in the air? You feel that liberty? How many feel that? If you're not feeling it, I want to just pray over you today that you can feel that today. Such hope in this house today. Such hope. How many of you know that God's promised something over your life? Just raise your hand. You know it. You know it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this. All right, put your hand down. How many of you know the promise? You know what it is? Come on, raise your hand. I want to see. I know it. I know what he's promised me to do. All right, here's what I want you to do. Keep it up. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to recite that promise over your life this week. I want you to remind God and remind yourself, God, this is what you said over me. These are the things you placed in my life, and I'm making a commitment that I'm going to leave the place, and I'm going to the place you promised me. All right, put your hands down. How many don't, are not real sure? You still just don't know what that thing is. All right, I want to pray over you today that you can have that moment with God. Man, and maybe it's right here today. Maybe this is the place that 20 years from now you can go back to. Drive your kids by the Patricia Hart 50 Forward Knoll Center. I said, Daddy, what are we doing over here? I want to drive you kids by the place where God spoke to me what I was going to do. In this room right now are missionaries that are going to reach this world. In this room right now are business strategists that are going to invent and come up by the power of the Holy Spirit. With strategies that are going to change the way we do business. In this room are inventors of technology that are going to change the way we do things. In this room right now are mamas and daddies that are going to raise up children that change the world. In this room are athletes that are going to change the way we look at athletes. In this room are pastors that are going to change the way we look at pastors. In this room are teachers they are going to shape and mold kids and remind them of the destiny over their life. In this room, right now. But we cannot fulfill what God's called us to do if we don't know what God's called us to do. So I want everyone in the room to close your eyes. Close your eyes right now. Come on, I want all of my folks that know how to pray, just to help me pray right now. This is a... You could feel it stirring early this morning. There are some of you right now that you're going to go home and you're going to circle this day. You're going to circle this day is the day where you made a decision to move into the things of God like never before. Come on, those of you that know what it's like to have an experience with God, you're going to help me pray right now. say this say this Lord Jesus I want to know what you have over my life I want you to speak to me who you want me to be let me hear a word from you let me have an experience with you that I can go back to I can I can build an altar there I can build a shrine there and say man this is the day I you say this Lord I make, a, I make a promise today come on just say it out loud I make a promise today to leave my comfort zone step out on faith step into the water move into the deeper things the things I don't completely understand but I know you're pulling me into Rush this moment right now. Let's not rush this moment. I pray for a baptism of the Holy Spirit today, God. How about those of you that are wanting that experience? You've never had before. You're ready for more. Raise your hand. I'm ready for more. I'm ready for more. Ready for more. Come on, Lord. More, Jesus. More, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. More, 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 more.